Greetings and welcome to Artifications. I'm your host, Roland Ramos. Today, we're in Charm City, also known as Baltimore, Maryland, the most populous city in Maryland, of course. With the city center in our sights, our show will revolve around an interview we conducted with Gage Branda, a curatorial and development coordinator with the American Visionary Arts Museum. We'll talk a little bit about the history of the museum and what it offers the community that makes its presence so valuable here. And I wanted to start with Baltimore. Baltimore became a colony in 1634 and was later established in 1729 as an independent city and was named for an Irish baron. This Irish baron had a name, it was Cecil Calvert, and the tenets of religious tolerance were passed down to him from his father. As a result, religious tolerance was also practiced in Baltimore, making it a destination for many who suffered from religious persecution back in England and the surrounding territories. Initially, it was created as a port for shipping tobacco and grain, but later it became known as a shipping hub as well as for shipbuilding itself. Also, our American National Anthem, written by Francis Scott Key, was inspired by watching the British bombardment of Fort McHenry during the War of 1812. Later, it would process the largest number of immigrants during the first half of the 19th century, second only to Ellis Island. While this city is modern, it's also plagued with modern problems. The traffic here is horrendous, rendering some parts of the downtown closer to the water practically pedestrian zones. The Inner Harbor is very contemporary, a little too much so as its publicly facing buildings appeal to tourists that never really materialized in or around the Inner Harbor before or after COVID times. Its light foot traffic and street performers make a stroll around the Inner Harbor a perfect way to unwind for locals. The Inner Harbor is just the end of the long road that is the Patapsco River. From the water's edge, Baltimore the city stretches out north and west from its narrow access to the water. The Inner Harbor is a busy place with many neighborhoods. We're going to focus on one specific neighborhood called Federal Hill Montgomery. It dates back to the 18th century and has a busy little nightlife. Federal Hill could be considered a misnomer since the hill that is in question and plainly seen from the water was originally called Signal Hill. Here it would keep watch over the Patapsco River, alerting businesses and portmasters as to what ships were coming into the harbor at any given time. Just next to Signal Hill are three large colorful buildings. These are the grounds of the American Visionary Art Museum. To look at them now, you would see one sheathed in a silver exterior, and all of them have multiple structures abutting, protruding, and spinning all over them, making some parts look like something out of an illustrated steampunk novel. And according to the AVAM website, the original building was once the offices of the Baltimore Copper Paint Company, circa 1913. And the adjacent large brick structure was a historic whiskey warehouse. Together, these structures comprised not only the grounds, but also a pillar of the downtown's reconstruction efforts. Altogether, this neighborhood of Federal Hill Montgomery has become an example of Baltimore's successful role in transforming its economic land map by integrating the arts. You can see this in many ways. 
To discuss details on the museum and its role in revitalizing the Baltimore arts economy, we'll listen in on the conversation we had with Gage Branda, a development and curatorial coordinator with the American Visionary Art Museum. Uh, the development department at a museum is fundraising, so I'm, I help the principal fundraiser, which is also the principal curator. Uh, that's my development role. I do a lot of grant writing and grant reporting, um, reaching out to potential funders for shows. And then on the curatorial end, I'm essentially a curatorial assistant, so I help our curator work out her ideas and articulate them and offer advice. And then I also come in during the install and actually physically install artworks. Gage has been working with AVAM for roughly two years now and clearly states what he enjoys about working here. We're a museum for people, right? We're not a mausoleum for objects, for someone's collection to grow old and die in. And uh, we really kind of reject that ideology. Obviously we have a collection, but we're a museum that is visitor focused. We are an education center. We focus ourselves on our seven educational goals, which fundamentally are about intuition. Like how can we inspire others to be intuitive? And that is in line with our visionary artists, quote unquote, untaught artists, uh, self-taught artists, people who basically needed to make so badly that despite not really having any education in it, we're like, I'm gonna make something and I, I know what I'm gonna make. And it's, it's incredible. And I think we wanna touch that feeling in everyone who comes to the museum. We want them to know like, these, this, is, this guy was a plumber for 30 years and he started making things out of bottle caps and look how beautiful he can make something. You don't need to go to school for 12 years and learn everything about art history to make something that is essentially human and touches the soul. The building is overrun with personal stories. I mean that quite literally, for there are quotes emblazoned on plaques tastefully placed throughout the museum. Each room is filled with personal stories relating to the individual artists. Topics range from the reimagined mundane to the multiplicity of imagined worlds found through astral projection. As the name states, it supports outsider art, but mostly I feel it supports the artist as a seeker. The front-facing side of the museum does great things with community engagement, yet there is this mystic refrain emanating from all points within the museum, propelling an inner discussion on one's personal transfiguration. It's a natural discussion point, especially when you consider being surrounded by so much introspection. The dynamic rotating exhibitions really speak to AVAM's prodigious use of space, making the building seem less like a collection of collections and more one seamless art installation. But the stories, particularly the stories found in the museum's permanent collection, I feel speak to the heart of the AVAM mission. There are certain running themes, of course, mostly about a compulsion to create for the purposes of personal transmutation. What's being transmuted is often a source of discomfort or an acknowledgement of sorts between the artist and their interpretation of the world around them, oftentimes speaking to something like pain or confusion. In light of all these amazing stories, I asked Gage to point out a favorite of his. This is kind of silly, but I like the, there's a Patty Kuzbita bed frame in the permanent collection. It's got the kid from Mad Magazine made out of like bottle caps or um, beads. But her story is great is because, because she used to work here. 
and she loved art so much she decided to work in a museum and was found essentially by our principal curator and she makes amazing artworks. I know that's a really small thing but it's kind of like you know everyone at the AVAM is an artist like all of our security our VSAs everyone I work with they're all artists and they love art so much they came to a temple for it and you know it's just like a nice story that she got to work here and then become an artist uh, well she was an artist but she got to show and you know we have a hundred thousand people come through it's a pretty big deal there's a lot of stories in our collection that are pretty amazing I mean Gerald Hawks was a matchstick artist who has basically a whole room dedicated to himself in one of our current exhibitions he was like the first artist to walk through our doors and he had a very personal relationship with Rebecca Hofberger the founder of the museum and I think that that kind of echoes the ethos of the museum and is important to me because so much humanity and like relationship building is apparent with how this museum operates it's not it is who you know but it's not like oh you know this person collects this person they want to show that it's you know this person loves this person and they want to share that love with everybody these notions of love and empathy are no doubt encouraged by the museum's founder rebecca albin hoffenberger director hoffberger is an active proponent of people making art in all settings her story is quite inspiring. In fact, I highly encourage you to check out the website avam.org and read their thoroughly prepared history page to get a good sense of the community-driven goals set by the administration. One more thing. Miss Hofberger was actually born in a suburb of Baltimore, so huge props to keeping it local. Isn't there just something about Baltimore that just makes you love it? Oh, I love this city, man. Um, I came here to go to school. Didn't like the school that much. Uh, but I loved the community I was in. Yeah, I've been here for uh, since I was 18, so nine years. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I picture my future here. I think that there's some things that could be better. I don't like the potholes, but um, <laughs> that's no one's fault. But, you know, so... Yeah, so the, the museum offers like really great art workshops inspired by visionaries. So it's kind of like this amazing interplay between students who haven't studied art and, you know, amazing artists who haven't studied art. And you get to do workshops with them and bring that to young kids, mostly in Baltimore. I, mean, I think we had like 4,000 Baltimore City students come through before the pandemic and we had a thousand do virtual programming with us. So we do art workshops, we do after school programming with Enoch Pratt libraries and Baltimore County Public Libraries. Most of it's for free. Um, Title I students, SNAP and EBT students get free entry in workshops. Uh, yeah, we do, we do great stuff. I mean, kids really like scream and yell and they, they love it here. And uh, for my time doing, like working with young kids in Baltimore, like this is the type of stuff that gets them excited about art. This was super special. It's always a pleasure to spend time in and amongst the great people of Baltimore. Special thanks to Gage Branda and the entire staff of the American Visionary Art Museum for being so accommodating. Also, a thank you to the people keeping the Inner Harbor area clean and free of debris. We see you and appreciate you. Still, a big up to the MICA art students and the people starting galleries all over town. We need more of you.
Baltimore is a state of being, a mindset, a promise, and a hidden secret. Nighttime on the waters of Fells Point is enough to inspire one's own Francis Scott Key moment. And I hope that you encounter yours when you have fulfilled your plans to venture to Baltimore. Thank you for listening. You can find links to our supporting articles and websites in our show notes below. Check out our hundreds of interviews with artists, curators, and galleries from all over the world. It's all accessible through artifications.com. Most importantly, take a moment and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our goal is simple, to make the art world just a little smaller. Because you can't spell Earth without art. I'm Roland Ramos. Drop me a line. And thanks for stopping by.